0: Hey, this is noah levine founder of against the stream refuge recovery and dharma punks thanks for tuning into the podcast i hope you're enjoying the dharma together may we create a positive change on this planet if you feel moved to leave a donation there's a link in the show notes may our paths cross soon welcome everybody fourth of july people are out watching the Getting ready for the fireworks at the beach, other places. Maybe I'll uh, talk a little bit about independence. There's a strong theme uh, in the Buddhist teaching on uh, independence. Becoming one of the ways that enlightenment is talked about, uh, where the Buddha will recognize people that have got it. And he'll, there's a phrase that says something like, um, they've become uh, independent in the Dhamma and the Dharma, that they, they understand, they no longer uh, need guidance. And that, the, that this sort of personal. Independence is part of the goal, and um, you know, in the beginning, when you want to learn meditation and Buddhism, and uh, we need some guidance, we need some support, we need some, uh, we need the instructions, we need the teachings, and there's a little bit of a dependence that's created, maybe with some teachers and some communities and. Um, Like I need, I need the guidance and I need the, but that ultimately the Dharma is something that we embody that we experience directly. And then um, total independence. You don't actually need any more guidance. You understand the teachings. You understand the four truths and how to apply them. You understand the four foundations of mindfulness and how to, to practice it and live it. You understand the, for uh, heart, you know, qualities, kindness and compassion, and and you're no longer dependent on someone to teach you because you you know it now. And um, not just intellectually, I think when the Buddha is saying, you know, this so and so has become independent. Uh, it means that there's an actual awakening there because a lot of us have been studying this and practicing this for a long time and you can recite by heart what the lists tell us, what the four noble truths are and what the five hindrances are and what the seven factors of awakening. Like, you know that, you know all of the, the lists, but that doesn't mean that we can yet um, fully embody it, fully experience and live in harmony with impermanence, no longer creating suffering for ourselves or others and our relationship to whatever's happening. So reflecting on independence and, and where we're at in that process, um, of your own awakening, of embodying the Dharma, I know for myself, uh, even so many years into the practice, I feel somewhat uh, dependent still on some of my teachers to um, help guide me and support me through difficulties and for me to kind of check in with, that there's there's still a quality where I feel very much uh, accountability and, um, and like it's necessary for me to check out some of my inner process with, people who I trust. I still feel dependent on some externals, <laughs> even 30 something years in. I don't feel like, oh, I'm totally completely fine on my own all of the time. I feel like, no, I need I need guidance at times. Sometimes I, you know, my mind gives me really bad advice and it masquerades as truth. <laughs> and I need to check that out with someone else. Dependent not completely independent. So thinking about that, and I'm setting this up for you to talk to each other a little bit, independent as a goal, totally secure in the wisdom, in the path, no longer needing to check out with anybody else, whether or not you're coming from a place of wisdom. It's inner and it's known. Now that versus um, interdependence and, and healthy dependence and the refuge in Sangha that we take, that we uh, put so much emphasis on in Buddhism. And it is this almost contradiction where on one level, it's like the goal is to be complete, to be completely independent, <laughs> not needing anything from anyone, knowing the truth and living in harmony with the truth on one hand. The other hand is we totally need each other. We take refuge in community and we become interdependent. Our own happiness, our own um, freedom is connected with the freedom and, and happiness of the people we surround ourselves with. Of course, we try to be as non-reactive and as compassionate as possible with the people we surround ourselves with. I forgot to do this. Um, But there's a a healthy interdependence and community and the humility of like, yeah, maybe in the long run, I'd be fine in a cave. and happy joyous and free from all forms of suffering you know living either amongst people or away from people but, but the reality is that in the meantime we really uh, we need each other we need to have the wise friendships and the buddha over and over says you know the keep the company of the wise develop the spiritual friendships Surround yourself with people who are also on the path, trying to be on the path, that will remind you, that will support you, that will encourage you. He goes as far as to say, uh, in one sutta, uh, he says, if, if you can't find any suitable friendships, better to be alone than to surround yourself with fools who are going to influence you in a negative way. He uses the image of a, um, a tusker, which I think is an elephant. or Maybe it's a rhino- rhinoceros. Who are the guys with the one horn? Rhino. rhino. So he uses some term that's for the rhino. He says, you know, just as the rhino has a single, sometimes you just have to go it alone. Like a, it's like a solo tusker. And um, I feel like a lot of people, we find ourselves drawn to Buddhism, coming to Sangha, uh, looking for this healthy dependence, interdependence, connection with others, because the world at large doesn't uh, support wakefulness, doesn't support the kind of radical mindfulness and forgiveness and compassion, wisdom that we're drawn here for. And then you you come to sanghas and you hopefully find some like minded people to develop a healthy dependence with on the path to complete independence and that even the you know when the buddha there's all these people who become independent it doesn't mean they leave the sangha i think this is maybe part of the important piece um Is it just because you have embodied some wisdom doesn't mean you don't show up? You didn't come here just to learn. You didn't come to Sangha spiritual community just to learn and to get your needs met. But then, you know, when when your needs are met and the wisdom is being developed, then you continue to come to be part of community. To support the other people, to be of service, to get the reminders. So topic for small group discussions before we meditate is um, just reflecting a little bit of where you're at in this process of uh, independence versus uh, healthy dependence or interdependence, the interconnection with spiritual friends, with with sangha, with other people who um, are wanting to live by these precepts and practice this mindfulness and and walk this path with you. Um, so independence versus inter interconnection, interdependence. So if you're in the room, find somebody that you don't know so well. Introduce yourself and have a, a short discussion about independence. And at home, I'll open these breakout rooms. Welcome back. Find a way to sit that's appropriate for meditation, upright. Find a way to adjust your body or posture so that it's relaxed. As you're ready, allowing your eyes to be closed. Establishing awareness, present-time, non-judgmental, kind awareness in the body. Softening the jaw, the shoulders, the belly. as much as you can, letting go of the past as you bring your full awareness to the present. Letting go of the future needing to be any certain way. As you disengage, as we disengage from paying attention to the thinking mind, we direct our attention to the feeling body. mindfulness of the body sitting, and all of the experience that is here, thoughts and emotions, sensations, not trying to stop the mind from thinking, but we choose to Direct our awareness out of the thoughts and into the body. Let the thoughts be in the background. And often using the breath as an anchor experience. Breathing in, know that you're breathing in. Breathing out, know that you're breathing out is a helpful way to anchor the attention in the body. Mindfulness is inclusive of our whole being. Sounds, sights, thoughts, feelings. No such thing as a distraction when we're practicing Buddhist mindfulness. Because it's inclusive. Even the thoughts, just part of your experience right now but we can choose how much of our attention we give to the sounds or to the thoughts or to the breath. Remember the attitude of acceptance and friendliness. No matter what your mind is thinking about or your body experiencing, do your best to meet it with kindness, with acceptance and friendliness. They're just thoughts, feelings. Awareness has no judgment. Open to your whole experience. Don't be too quick to bring your attention back to the breath. Be open to the sounds, the thoughts. Try to observe what your mind wants to think about. Acknowledging that they're plans, they're memories. Perhaps even labeling them. This is a hope or a fear. Worry. Craving. Mindfulness of the body, of the mind, the emotions. Mindfulness reveals the truth of impermanence the arising sustaining and passing of thought of emotion of sensation You're aware that what you're paying attention to, whether it's in your body or your heart or mind, feels good, feels pleasant. Bring awareness this is pleasant. And pay attention to the impermanent nature of that pleasant phenomena. And you become aware of something unpleasant, name it, this is pain, discomfort in the body, painful thoughts in the mind. As the fireworks begin to explode The sounds, what's your perception of the explosions? Is it pleasant, celebratory? Is it jarring, unpleasant, scary? mindfulness of sound and the feeling tone or perception of those sounds or sensations or emotions, thoughts. Letting go of needing this present moment to be any different than it is. Doing our best to accept what's happening right now. These sensations, whether pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. These emotions. And this mind Just as it is, as we become more and more aware of the impermanent, the unsatisfactory or unreliable nature of the impermanent phenomena. Awareness begins to wake up to the impersonal and not your fault, not self, not who we are, nature of the mind and the body. Here we are, 4th of July, 2022, according to the Christian calendar, United States of America, and um, on this path to liberation, this path to independence. Training the mind, the heart, slow process, but I'm hoping um, that you're finding incremental progress in changing uh, your relationship to your mind your relationship to pleasure, your relationship to pain. Developing more compassion for yourself and others. Finding more freedom. Continuing to reflect and riff a little bit about independence on the Independence Day. Um, Of course, Buddhism... Talks a little bit about societal. The Buddha talked a little bit about society, but primarily seemed to be interested in the uh, interpersonal and in the internal. He was a little bit political, a little bit. Not he wasn't completely apolitical, but he was mostly, uh, my sense of Siddhartha Gautama and this path was that it was psychology, that it was this really radical humanist psychological movement of the nature of the human mind and how it makes life so much more difficult than it needs to be (laughs) when we don't train it. The untrained mind uh, is completely dependent on circumstances. The untrained mind is only happy when life is temporarily pleasant. And even then, how often are we suffering when it's like things are pretty good right now, but I'm afraid they won't last. I know they won't last. Things are pretty good right now, but could be better. (laughs) It's fucking really good right now, but it could be better. So even, you know, how how often is the untrained, the lack of wisdom satisfied? Very fleeting for most people, satisfaction, well-being, ease. So dependent on circumstances. And then when the circumstances aren't right, we suffer so much, unnecessarily suffer so much because uh, things don't go our way as often as we like. And the world certainly doesn't cooperate very well, my experience. feel like, uh, you know, in America, there's a lot of talk of freedom and independence, Independence Day, freedom. But primarily, it seems to be framed as the freedom uh, to do, freedom to do what you want to do. Freedom from external... Uh, boundaries or oppression. I mean, it's supposed to be freedom from oppression. Of course, that's not actually how our country uh, functions, but that's the idea. We became independent from the oppressors over in Europe, We're pilgrims. <laughs> we you know, didn't want to pay our taxes anymore and we proclaimed independence. The white slave owners. We're in the midst of a genocide of the Native Americans. So we don't want to pay taxes back to England anymore. They're, they're oppressing us. And so we, you know, for the white folks, independence, freedom. And external freedoms. I believe in them I'm a, I'm an American. Uh, you know, I certainly have an idealized idea of freedom and equality that isn't actually how the world functions. but I like the idea of freedom and equality for all, not just for the wealthy, not just for the class structure or for the race, caste system, the American caste system. (laughs) Um, I like the idea of freedom for everyone. It's obviously not what's happening here. And uh, as we see, and as I talked about last week, the sort of shocking reality that, uh, you know, like the Roe versus Wade abortion thing of like a freedom that is taken away and how like crazy, we're like, wait a minute, you can't fucking take that away the freedom the rights the you know our ideas of freedom of of external like we should be able to be free and yeah we should you know women should be able to be free people should be able to be free to do what they want so there's something to that and the buddha did talk a little bit about the karmic situation of sexism and racism and... But primarily, the teaching is freedom from, not freedom to, not freedom to do what you want, or not even freedom from oppression. Of course, because the compassionate teachings are uh, so central it's part of our commitment to uh, not uh, intentionally cause harm or oppress any anybody. Got to not be part of that as as much as possible. But primarily, the Buddha's teaching is uh, freedom from what's causing us to suffer. It's not freedom to do whatever you want. It's freedom from suffering about what's happening right now. Not dependent on the circumstances. Independently happy in the midst of hell or heaven. America or India or wherever. Free from suffering about the ignorance of society. Free from suffering about other people's ignorance. Wisdom, internal developed wisdom, as a response to the reality that the world is quite asleep. And we're trying to wake up in the midst of this world that is quite asleep to wisdom and to compassion and to Integrity and into uh, just basic common sense ethics, <laughs> not mirrored by the world. Which is why I was, you know, in the intros and asking you to discuss a little bit earlier um, the emphasis that the buddha puts on that we put on a community of of needing like-minded what sometimes i've referred to this the spiritual revolutionaries having your friends your your sangha spiritual revolutionaries that it's actually incredibly radical and revolutionary in this world to be trying to wake up and the importance of having those comrades in the revolution. This act of rebellion that is kindness, this act of rebellion that is presence, that is being awake and attuned to what's happening, to the feeling tones that are arising right here in our own mind and taking full responsibility for how we react to them rather than blaming the world. Taking full responsibility for our reactions to the world. A couple of weeks ago, we were up, uh, Lily and I and some friends were up in um, this yoga festival. And I was wearing my Against the Stream hat. I think I actually had it off on the table at this restaurant. And one of the people that worked there, this woman, uh, came over and she said, oh, that's such a cool hat. And I, I got a little inflated. I was like, oh, you know about against the stream? She's like, no, I don't. I don't know about it. She said, but it, uh, it just, it sounds like, um, sounds like a really cool, like far right statement. She's like, I think my husband would really like it. It's like, it's like drain the swamp against the stream. I later said to Lily, I was like, she looked at me, bald, white, tattooed guy, and was like, he's a racist like my husband. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. And I think the reason I was thinking of that is this framing of spiritual awakening as an act of rebellion, rebelling against greed, against hatred, against racism, against oppression, against all manifestations of ignorance. And that uh, for whatever reason, like there's this framing happening uh, currently in our culture of like it's rebellious, to go like, to be these this sort of right wing, we're rebelling against the status quo against, you know, we're so radical against politics and my sense, and I, I'm not the most political person, but last week I talked about it this week. I am too. My own sense is um, it's so fucking ludicrous for uh, people to actually think that far right politics are in any way rebellious. And they're like, well, the left, the left, the left. It's like, far right is like, oh no, you're in a long, long lineage of ignorant racism. This is not rebellion. This is the status quo. Your nationalist ideas are not rebellious at all. This is the founding fathers ideas of white supremacy. This is not rebellion. This is status quo. You're just rebelling against change and progress and uh, some, some wisdom and compassion coming into our culture. You're not a rebel. You're an idiot. No judgment towards anybody who holds any right leaning ideas, maybe. So the importance of um, establishing and maintaining healthy dependence in order to become independent, in order surrounding ourselves uh, with people that are going to support our inner process of forgiveness, our inner process of mindfulness, of living an ethical life. and ultimately taking full responsibility. This is the definition of karma, full responsibility for our, our actions and our reactions. You don't get to blame others for how we're reacting. We have to take full responsibility for it. But it's so nice to be with, around people and connected to people who are going to encourage and support a wise response rather than co the blame that we like to place on circumstances. I'm going to end a little bit early tonight because I'm going to, um, because it's 4th of July and I want to go watch those sparkling lights in the sky. And uh, I actually, a friend of mine was in Nevada a couple weeks ago and he said, um, you want me to, pick up some fireworks the good kind you know the, that you can't get in california you want me to bring them back and my inner 12 year old immediately was like fuck yeah give me some good ones so i'm actually going to go up on the roof after class and blow some shit up because i find that pleasant i know there's people who find it really unpleasant and um, you know, your perception of the loud uh, explosions and stuff is, is unpleasant. Um, but for me, I have that kind of conditioning and excitement of like, yeah, let's blow shit up. I want to, it's my, my 4th of July reading. I'm going to read a couple pages from Against the Stream this section of the book that's called Defy the Lies. We have all been seduced by the world's enchanting offers of happiness through pleasure and accumulation. But they are lies, shams, fallacies. In order to find the true happiness and freedom that are available, we must understand this clearly. We must experience a revolution in our perception of the material world. Inside each one of us resides the truth, and however deeply buried or obscured that truth has become, we have the ability to uncover and experience it for ourselves, and happiness and freedom will follow. The path to liberation is one of defiance and renunciation. We must overthrow the deluded dictators of our mind and see through the confusion of the world. This will take great effort and a steadfast engagement with our own moment to moment experience. Every day we are lied to by the world. Our societies, our families, and our religions tend to be filled with delusional ideals. Human beings have created a deeply dysfunctional culture. The insecurity of the human condition has led to the creation of many violent religions and scientific rationalizations. We have been been destroying each other and this planet for too long. Human ignorance is the status quo. Even the most highly educated or religious people, we see the unnecessary suffering of ego identification, lack of acceptance and greed for power. In America, we like to talk about equality and human rights but this country was founded on violence and oppression. Our forefathers stole this land from the native peoples, waging war on the rightful inhabitants of the continent. The history of slavery and racist oppression oppression towards each newly arriving ethnicity on these shores has left us with a legacy of ignorance. Although some of the outright bigotry has lessened in our recent past, Racism is still the substratum of our society's structure. This is not just an American phenomena, of course. In fact, our classist, sexist, and racist culture is quite similar to the ancient Indian society that the Buddha was born into. Ignorance is not just Western or Eastern, it is human. For the awakened revolution to take root, the pervasive racist structure of society has to be dismantled. This is what the Buddha began to do way back in the day through nonviolent defiance and compassionate engagement with the system of oppression. There is nothing incompatible between defying the lies of human ignorance and serving the truth of enlightened human potential. Defiance is renunciation, the effort of avoiding and speaking out against the causes of suffering is always going to be part of the path to spiritual awakening. Religion, which was obviously created to give meaning and purpose to people, has become part of the oppression. This is true in both Eastern and Western religious traditions. The Buddha, Jesus, Muhammad, were all revolutionaries who critiqued and attempted to dismantle the corrupt societal traditions of their time. Yet their teachings, like most things in human society, have been distorted and co-opted by the confused, power-hungry, patriarchal traditions. What were once the creation myths of ancient cultures have become doctrines of oppression. More blood has been spilled and more people oppressed in the name of religion than for any other reason in history. Although faith and religiosity are central to human history, it may be time to reject all forms of organized religion and to be in afresh with practical, applicable, and experiential philosophy. I would reject so-called Buddhism along with the rest, because much of what masquerades as Buddhism today is in direct opposition to what the Buddha actually did and taught. The Buddha was insistent on questioning and defying the religious structure. He urged everyone he came in contact with to find the truth for themselves, not based on faith or tradition, but out of their own direct experience of wisdom and compassion. So the spiritual revolutionary must, must defy both the religious structures as well as the material world. There's a place in the Buddhist teaching where he says, avoid two dead ends. One dead end is religion. The other dead end is the material world. And this middle path that goes between blind faith and seeking happiness and sense pleasures. I'm almost done with my soapbox. (laughs) We can look to religions and spiritual teachings for the tools of awakening. The truth does reside in most of the religions, but we must understand that all religions also contain confused traditions and lies that need to be destroyed by clear understanding and our own direct experience of awakening. Defiance means standing up for what you know is right rejecting patriarchal human dogma and embracing the search for meaning with a steadfast engagement with reality. It means seeing clearly our mind's fears and attachments as impersonal conditioned phenomena and destroying the misidentification with the mind's confusion. Beneath the confusion, we will find the heart's natural wisdom and compassion. The spiritual revolutionary defies both the internal and external forces of oppression. So happy 4th of July. God bless America. Happy to be here with everybody. Um, I offer these reflections for your consideration. you don't have to agree with my views. Um, you get to find out what's true for yourself and believe what uh, what you believe. And all of this is in the spirit of investigation of uh, how are we suffering and how can we lessen? How can we find some freedom from suffering, both for ourselves and also uh, to create a positive change on the planet, in our families, in our Neighborhoods and our societies and our culture. So I hope it's beneficial to you in that way. A couple of announcements. Um, upcoming, I have a day long retreat on July sixteenth, so in two weeks, it's a Saturday, I believe, and we we'll be focusing on the um, five precepts, the ethical teachings of the Buddha on how to to walk this middle path and uh, taking refuge in the Buddha and the Dharma and the Sangha and developing this healthy interdependence connection with other like-minded people. So please join me uh, for that day long on the 16th. Uh, There is a charge, I think we're asking for $108 for the day. And everyone is welcome, regardless of ability to pay. If, you, or if you're coming and you can afford the hundred bucks, it helps support against the stream. Thank you for doing, you know, for paying if you can. Uh, if you don't have the money, don't let it keep you. If you. And you want to be here, don't let it keep you away. You're welcome to be here. It's my son. I should have just answered. <laughs> it's probably downstairs. He wants to blow some shit up too. Um, no, it's okay. He's with his mom. So the 16th, come practice for the day, and then the fall week-long seven-day retreat, which is going to be up in the mountains here, Southern California, Big Bear retreat um, near near Big Bear, is uh, open for registration, and it's pretty affordable. Um, I think where it's only. for the seven day or $700, something like that. It's one of the cheapest retreat centers I've been able to find instead of a $2,000 week long, which a lot of retreat centers charge. We're going to be able to do it for like 700 bucks, I think. So come to that if you can. And if you want to come to that and you can't afford that 700 bucks, um, I'll get you a scholarship. I'll raise some scholarship money so that you can come and sit Um, the retreat so just let me know if you can't afford it and you'd like to come but again pay for it if you can support uh, the organization and lastly this class is done by donation and against the stream is fully supported by your generosity so be as generous as you can uh, and thank you in advance for your for your generosity and i'll see you next week May any goodness that comes from our practice be shared outward in all directions with all beings everywhere. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. This is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream and Refuge Recovery. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes.